Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. This evening's uh, Dharma talk is uh, titled, We Know Nothing. And this is a partial quote from a poem by 14th century lay member of the Dominican order, St. Catherine of Siena. And the full line is, we know nothing until we know everything. Uh, written in the 14th century by someone who only lived to be 30, 33. Please pardon my emotionality. We know nothing until we know everything. We know nothing. We know nothing. We don't know. We keep looking. What is it? What should I do? What, what's happening? What's going on? Why is this? Why am I feeling like this? Why is she, he, they treating me? Why can't I stop myself from doing this or feeling this or thinking this? You know what I mean? Exactly what I mean. Why, 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 why? We know nothing until we know everything. And when you know everything, all the questions go away. You have no question about anything. And why? You know, you know everything. Not language, but you know deeply what this is. This is possible. There's some books of poems that she wrote or are ascribed uh, to her. So in our tradition, we, we approach this kind of teaching uh, rather than through uh, a theistic approach or a prayer to a something, to Christ, to God, to higher, higher understanding. We approach it directly ourselves. The Buddha's Dharma is a non-theistic path that means that you do it yourself. You look deeply into this mind stream and see, I don't know, we don't know, we don't know, what is this? We might know this feels like crap, or this feels lonely, or this feels um, happy, this feels delighted, this feels fulfilled. Relative, 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 relative truth. We know, we know nothing until we know everything. And when we know everything, no more questions. This can be seen directly. It was seen by this woman who was born, made the, you know, March the 25th, night, uh, eight, or 13, 47 and passed away 33 years later in 1380 and was canonized somewhere in the mid 1400s, maybe 70, 80 years later after her passing. We know nothing until we know everything. Ground, path, and fruition. Ground, we know nothing. Path, until. Fruition, we know everything. Reflect on that. Nothing is separate from anything else. It just looks like it intensely. So intensely, we're willing to hurt ourselves, hurt others, tie ourselves up in knots, struggle, fight, look for answers, look for answers. And the answer is right in front of you. You aren't looking at anything but your true nature, always, even if it's filled up with garbage cans. Noise and racket and confusion and distress, that's where it's at. 
she looked at it. And you are not separate from her or from anyone who's ever lived or died. There's another uh, way that that was used of the, the Indian scholar, teacher, previous early part of the previous century, Jiddu Krishnamurti, was a writer and a teacher, and was uh, being groomed early in the last century to be a leader of, uh, um, I think, by uh, uh, Annie Besant and uh, Leadbeater and uh, a few other early uh, people in that particular movement. He was being groomed to be uh, a leader, a spiritual guide, and he just dropped out of it. He continued to teach. He dropped out of that. And one of the books that I read many years ago, I think it was published in 1969, called Freedom from the Known. This is something that we've talked about here, that you're free. You're free from your knowledge. You have your knowledge, but your freedom from the restrictions of knowing this and not knowing that, knowing knowing these things, but not knowing about those. Freedom. From, you're free from that. You're free from your knowledge, relative knowledge. Quite an interesting video. If you go on to YouTube and look up Krishnamurti and Chogyam Trungpa, the video that was, I think it was in the 1960s, when uh, someone set it up so that Rinpoche could go and talk to this Indian teacher. It's quite interesting. The interesting thing about it is this is kind of where I learned about 9010. Because all Rinpoche did, all Chogyam Trungpa, the Vidyara did, was listen to Krishnamurti. And it was kind of like, and Krishnamurti is pretty much holding forth the whole time, teaching this young man, because he was fairly old then. Receive, receive, receive. And how do we do that? We have to actually look at what our questions are. Not that we shouldn't ask them of the teacher or of other people in the Sangha or of books that we're studying, not that we shouldn't look and ask and receive whatever shows up, but we could also look at that wanting something else, wanting something else. It, it might start out as <clears throat> wanting a Corvette, or it might want, start out as wanting a, to be a, a forest ranger or to be a, a doctor, a nurse, some kind of goal that we have. And then depending on your particular life, your karma, you might just stumble into the Dharma and then that wanting was translated over into wanting to know what this is, what is fundamentally true, what's the fundamental value of even being here, what's this about? And that's what this path is about, the Mahayana, the open way. And for each person, you, when you sit down and face the wall, or when you study a text, or when you contemplate what this is, or when you bring the, your understanding of the teachings toward your confusion about what's happening in your mind stream, what's happening in your relationships. This is how it's done. Study, contemplate, reflect on what's coming up, reflect on the teachings and how they relate to what's happening in your mind stream. Passion, aggression, ignorance, pushing down, fluffing up, ignoring. We don't know anything until we know everything. This is, a, this is awakening not just some kind of romantic uh, experience. Experiences come and go. Awakening, awakening just is. It doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. It's not 
It has no status as a phenomena. And if it did have status as a phenomena, or even experience, then it would eventually melt away, or be or come apart, or be taken away, or be contradicted, like a political party or something. When I was thinking about this earlier today, I don't know when it was, I gave up possibly using this as a to talk about, I didn't realize how emotional it would be. I probably wouldn't come up with that. But it's uh, overwhelming where that comes from. I don't know. And I don't really, I'm not really concerned with where it comes from. It doesn't really come from someplace else. There's some questions that would be good. Good. Sure. How can we know we know nothing when we're grasping at relative truth? It just takes time. Just keep practicing. Just return, return, return to the, the three jewels. You're a monk. Return to the three jewels. Prostrate. Make offerings to the teacher not because the teacher needs anything. It's a true teacher. They don't need anything. Don't even need to even be here. So continue to do that. Continue to come forward in that way. Thank you. What is that emotion that was showing up for you? I don't know. It's just intense longing. Feels like her, but I don't know that. It's not particularly romantic. It's just intense. <laughs> when I say I don't know, I, I do know. But I don't, I do know, but I can't take what you just saw. That was the expression of what I know. But I can't, I don't back up into concepts and say, well, you know, I think probably we were both Aries, so maybe no speculation. Not interested in speculation. Speculation can be very, very interesting, even magnetic, even on occasion actually lives up to your particular idea about what it is you're trying to look at or trying to find or trying to understand. But it's not direct. It still goes through uh, hoops and loops, circles, cycles, more. A different question. Earlier you said the ground is we know nothing and the path is until. What is the difference between we know nothing and until. Well, we know nothing is the ground. And until is the path. So the foundation, the cause, the cause, the fundamental cause, is like suffering is a cause of this path. So we know nothing, not knowing, bewilderment. Bewilderment, uh, what uh, Herbert Gunther would call it, bewilderment errancy, or being bewildered and being incorrect about everything. So this is this situation is until it's just a way of saying it's just a it's just a connection between those two. Know nothing, know everything. And the until is the area where uh, you could say uh, it is a practice until until. until. How does it feel when you sit down and face the wall? Doesn't it have a quality of until? 
what happens in that until that bridges the knowing nothing and knowing everything. So uh, if it's to do with prayer, it's just a, a giving up, a surrendering into that until. And if it's a non-theistic path, then it's uh, it's uh, very similar, it's, except it's you're not uh, giving into something higher. You're giving into just the fundamental nature of what is in front of you. Rather than having uh, something higher, instead you have a teacher, and the teacher points at it, and you look at it, and then everything vanishes. Even the teacher vanishes. It's called non-theism. Non, non, non-separate, non-polarized, and you know everything. So you're not separate from anything. So then you know, you might not know uh, three blocks away, you might not know the height of, a, of an electrical pole in meters. You might know it in feet, but you aren't able to convert that. So I'm being, being silly, but I'm saying we, we, the relative area is the area we're trying to get to and that is just what it's what it is relative. It's half truths. It's partially true. It's fifteen feet high, but it's not fundamentally true because that's just a, a, an invented thing about that that we use to, to to give us the illusion that we know something. But what she is pointing here to is we know nothing. We really don't know anything until we know everything. This is the this is a um, this young woman, thirty-three, uh, could have been could have been a Buddhist. She wasn't. She she was married to Christ. How do I know? Read the poems, if you wish. Does the until still do we? know nothing throughout the until that's when you start realizing you don't know much that's when you realize how much you ignore everything so it's just a way of talking about it or we could maybe if we were to go back and read read it in the original italian uh, we might find that there's a different way of translating that that's a pretty clear clean way of translating it but it might have had other words in it that someone might have moved it around a little bit um, I lived in a Dominican convent for a year, and there was a painting of St. Catherine of Siena on the wall. Um, so this just feels like it's kind of tugging at some heartstrings. Yeah. Is that something I'm adding? <laughs> Does it really matter? <laughs> <laughs> Not separate, not separate, not separate. You see what this is? All, all the, all the religions, everything comes apart. Any further questions? Kevin Bowing does knowing nothing and knowing everything feel different? Bowing. Well, there's a little differentiation there, but not much. Mainly, it's just the, the separation between things is just gone. So. It's just gone, so you you don't really feel like anything is missing, other than what you currently did with this and that. Is put one over here and one over there and try to adjust. 
So the way I'm understanding the question, I would say uh, fundamentally doesn't feel uh, different other than it's powerful to, to understand deeply on some kind of level uh, uh, beyond the intellect that we're not really separate from anyone or anything anywhere. The worst terrible tyrant and the most, uh, um, the highest uh, realized being or saint, not separate. That's a hard one because you can't do it with the intellect. If you do it with the intellect, you can do some of that, but it starts to separate into up into factions, the Gelugpas and the Nyingmas or the, <coughs> the whatever, Roman Catholics, the Lutherans. I'm smiling about it because it's, it's a crazy warfare, dividing things up into this and that, this and that. Jason Bowen. Jason. Is there a difference between um, conceptualizing or understanding the idea that you know nothing and actually knowing nothing, Bowen? <clears throat> I, I heard what your question was, but I want you to paraphrase it so I can get an idea of what it is you're fundamentally asking about. Okay. Um, I've actually kind of always lived by the Socrates rule of like, I don't really know anything except that I know nothing. So I usually think to myself, even those ideas that I think might be true, I'm like, oh, I, I really kind of think this might be true, but I don't know for sure. And I hold that idea in my head that like, even when I like, oh, I really think that killing people is bad or murder is bad. Well, I don't know for sure. That's kind of the idea about not knowing anything for sure. Is that different than reaching? Is there like a state where you're like, oh, I really realize I know nothing? Actually, the way I would address that is, first of all, you would probably not say, oh, oh. That, that would be out of there. And even the question or even the statement, I really know nothing, wouldn't, it just wouldn't be there. Because the basic uh, issue is to thinking is thinking there is a solid, separate self that can attain enlightenment, attain salvation, see the truth, uh, know everything, be realized. There, there is no one. There's no separate being anywhere. If you realize this, there's not much left to do unless people need help and then you try to meet them where they're at and help them. And if they think you're this or that, or they think you're not doing so well, they'll probably go somewhere else. They're not getting what they particularly want. Jason Bowing, is there actually anything to know? No. Not in the sense that you're asking it, no. Maria Bowing. Let, let me take Giazan first, Maria. <laughs> He's been back here chomping at the bit. Just I can see it in his eyes. He's just got to get this question out before he forgets it. Go ahead. <laughs> I think you've said before something to the effect of if you see what this is, it doesn't mean you see what's happening three miles down the road. So what does it mean to know everything when there still is that relative not knowing? The relative, you see that the relative is just that. It's not important. I'm not saying it is not important that someone is burning up in a house 
that the fire department can't get there in time, or that something, a mistake was made somewhere where uh, someone's car blows up or make, misses a turn and runs into a school bus. I'm not saying those things don't happen, but those are dependently arisen. There's no fundamental blame for any of that. Fundamental. Not just in this cause, that, they did this. Uh, he didn't show up for work, so therefore this person had to come in who didn't know the route, and therefore that caused this accident. No, those are, you can sort that out. So because the self-centered mind, the ego mind wants to find blame and wants to find credit and it wants the credit and it doesn't want the blame. Basically, this is what is happening to everyone everywhere all the time in some way. It doesn't always look that way. There's more there. We'll stop. Jeez, I'm like, what does dependent origination point to with, with everything? Is dependent origination everything? Anything that is, that is manifesting is uh, is dependently arisen. It has no it has no center. It has no central uh, identity as something that could be dealt with or pushed down or fluffed up. You can do that. You can spend your life trying uh, your whole life trying to fix stuff. But the fundamental misunderstanding that is at, that is behind all the wars, all the conflicts, all the arguments at the kitchen table is uh, the insanity of the mind that grasps at somebody and rejects something else, grasps at a self and rejects or agrees with or ignores other. When, until that is addressed, there's going to be war and war and peace. War and peace will get better and it'll get worse, get better and get worse. It's just uh, it's another telephone pole or power line. It's just a, it's another object is that we impute the personhood to it. People get killed and that seems terrible and it is terrible. A terrible thing and we should try to do something about it relatively but the, the area to put your energy into is to train your mind so you know who you are you don't get your identity from anything that occurs you don't get your identity from anywhere but just your own perception and if you see this you have a direct perception of this you'll realize you're not separate from anything even though all the people you talk to are constantly grasping at themselves and rejecting others or trying to reject themselves because they're ashamed and grasping at some kind of other kind of success. Constant, constant uh, torment of the three sufferings on the stage of what? The six realms, on the, on the stage of the hell realm, the jealous God realm, the human realm, the hungry ghost realm. It's constant struggle for success or for getting something. Materialism, materialism, wanting something else. Your heart's desire is in front of you. You may not be able to see that right away. You may have to look at all of the crap or the preconceptions, the ideas, the judgments, and the projections that are in front of you. Every time you see something else, someone else, some other situation, uh, three Tuesdays from now when you wake up and you look at the ceiling or you look at the alarm clock if you're laying sideways, that is it. But we immediately start shutting down on it. As Trump and Pache would say, first thought, best thought. He's not saying he's not saying the the first thought is somehow um, ultimately accurate. He's just saying that that is the area of the consciousness where something begins to arise. That's where the space in which something occurs, consciousness, and that which is occurring uh, has not completely differentiated yet. So the, what is arising is still an aspect of consciousness that is not completely manifest. First thought, first thought, best thought. We're still in the mist. We've not come out in out of the shadows into a brilliance of being.
present as a existence more. Do you have mind? Can we return to first thought? I don't know if you can return to it, but you can uh, leave it less often. You can, you can whatever is occurring, stay with it. Keep continuing to receive. As soon as something occurs, we look at it, and we as soon as we receive it, instead of continuing to receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, ninety percent, ninety percent, ninety percent, ninety percent, ninety percent, and then ten percent. Give it ninety percent. Really receive your mind stream completely and totally before you uh, hitchhike out of town. Actually receive all of that before you decide something else, before you add anything onto it. So by knowing that, this helps you, encourages you to be with whatever, be with all things. The, the, the pure precept of be with all things. Doesn't mean agree with it, doesn't mean disagree, doesn't mean ignore, doesn't mean anything other than just whatever's showing up, that's it. Difficult, and especially difficult if because we have all the, the karma behind us that is trying to express itself, trying to get its way, trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to. And you can't fight that. You can't change it. You can't heal it. You can't subvert it. You can not do anything with it other than uh, receive it as it is without agreeing, without disagreeing, and without ignoring. mind. How does knowing everything manifest as knowing nothing? Those two are not separate from each other. So all that's really being said is there isn't anything else. It doesn't mean the else doesn't show up. My hand is moving. I'm not ignoring that because I'm suddenly part of the Dharmakaya or something. So the, 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 the physicality and presence of everything is more intense. This present moment is intense, intensely present because there is no future. There is no past. It's always just this. It's not something you can do. It's more something you stop doing. You stop abandoning what this is for what you'd like, what you wouldn't like, or what you think about it. Whatever shows up, it's none of your business. On the other hand, it's right in your face, so it should be received. But it's none of your business personally, so you can modify it or change it or shave it off or paint it purple because you don't like orange. How do we work with the apparent ownership or just receive it? It, It's pretty disgusting sometimes. It's pretty irritating. It's pretty distressing to whatever shows up. Don't do anything with it. Don't no comment. It's like uh, it's like you. It's like one one AA meeting or twelve step meeting after another where you never get to talk. How would you like that? You never, you never, they never give you a stick. You never get to say anything. You're condemned to do that the rest of your life. You just have to listen to everybody's confusion that they think is clarity. That pretty good metaphor. You ever been to a 12 step? Very really exciting. <laughs> and I don't mean to make fun, as some of you know, that work in that area. I don't mean to make fun of any of that. Some people, that's the only way they can train their mind. The only way they can work their mind is go to a community of people who are having similar issues with addiction and get that kind of support. They're not ready to, their 12th step on there is a, whatever it is about God, as I understand them, I can't remember how it goes. But, and that's perfectly valid. They should do that. 
Don't tell anybody to meditate. You meditate. You're listening to me. Don't, or don't, or do something else. But don't convince someone else to do something that you already know how hard this is to do. It's extremely hard. Not much of a payoff. Maria. Maria Bank. Perhaps you just answered my question, but I will ask it anyway. Um, is knowing nothing pointing to ignoring what is? Bowing. No. Thank you. You're welcome. Any questions? No, bowing. Go ahead, please. There's a question in the chat box from Eric. Thank you. Is there a difference between first thought, best thought, and beginner's mind? Uh, probably not much. First thought, best thought. Beginner's mind is just just whatever shows up. That's that's what it is. It's just not much else. Be beginner's mind is 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 a way of uh, Suzuki Roshi had talked about this back in the sixties. It's just a way of saying, you don't really have to make any progress. You don't have to get anywhere. You can just sit down and just be genuine, be on the spot, and relate to the mind as it comes and goes by receiving it, by being aware. My first thought, best thought, is very similar to that. Further question? Close on bowing. Um, in the beginning of your talk, you brought up Krishnamurti. Yes. After talking about St. Catherine, what, why did you bring up Krishnamurti? Well, he, he brought a, he wrote a book that the title was Freedom from the Known, Freedom from the Prison of Your Knowledge. And so it just, it just resonated with her, that line from her, from, uh, from her uh, poem. I don't remember the title of it. That was one of the lines out of the poem that I um, am using. Do you remember what it was, Kozan? Kozan by her statement? Yes, her line out of her poem that I used, do you remember? I can't remember exactly, but something about not knowing anything. Was it? Anyone remember it? You wrote it down. No, you remember well, what I is it? Well, did write it down, but what yeah, we it? know nothing until we know everything. We know nothing until we know everything. So we know nothing until we, through the spiritual path, through her dedication and devotion to an atheistic approach to spirituality, which is what she was born into. That started happening to her when she was six or seven, very young. So we know nothing, know nothing. But in our situation, it takes a while to just realize you know nothing. It takes a while. That's why it's so difficult, because instead of feeling like we're getting better, we feel like we're getting worse. We're losing our reference points, and we're losing our attachment to that aspect of consciousness we call uh, narcissism or the ego or the paranoid aspect of consciousness, that paranoid area in the Yogacara tradition called the seventh consciousness or the part that's defending everything, protecting everything that is not fundamentally even threatened. I'm curious about Krishnamurti. You brought him up and he wrote that book title, and apparently he 
you know, maybe had some insight there, but at the same time, I saw this, the same talk and he did kind of bowl over Trungpa, it seemed. He interrupted him a lot. No, he was a, a Krishnamurti is a, a intellectual. He was, he was very, very brilliant man. If you read, and I've read, uh, I don't know how many books of his, I've read, there wasn't anything else available, but Alan Watts and Krishnamurti and, and uh, W.Y. Evans Wentz and Alexandra David Neal and I read everything I could get my hands on, but there wasn't much. I read all of them trying to get some kind of support for what I was trying to understand. So I spent quite a bit of time. I think uh, another one is uh, The First and Last Freedom is another one that uses freedom. There's a, somewhere between half a dozen, dozen books published by, uh, I think it's Quest Foundation or something like that. They're, they're worth reading. It's just that, as you saw with Trungpa Rinpoche, just basically listening to, to Krishnamurti talk. And Krishnamurti was kind of holding forth and explaining explaining reality and so on to this Tibetan Lama, who was all about listening to him. He was very respectful of him, you could say, and listened to him. So if you, if you ever get a chance to go in and, it's quite long, it's probably more than an hour. Not all that interesting. His books are much more interesting. And even those uh, won't, won't pull you out of your difficulty. Cousin Bowing, um, Laurie said, St. Dennis said, the most godly knowing of God is that which is known by unknowing. <clears throat> How may this apply to what you are saying? Same thing. Freedom from the known, freedom from it's unknowing. Uh, the the Korean monk of the last century, uh, Sang Song, uh, actually has a book uh, called uh, uh, "Only Don't Know." Only don't know mind. It's like a deliberate, deliberate. It's like a deliberate ignoring, but not exactly. Because if one is practicing that, uh, you can't really practice that with the intellect. And there has to be a lot of sitting practice uh, as an underlayment of that particular attitude. Only don't know rather than jumping from what shows up to what you think about it, a willingness to just not know what this is, not know who this is, even though you know his name or her name or what they're there for, but fundamentally not know. It's like you really don't know the back of your own hand. Take a look. Tell me what that is, besides just repeating what I said, the back of your own hand. What is that fundamentally? What is a hand? It's like D.E. Harding's book where he uh, talks about uh, on having no head. Uh, his his uh, um, enlightenment, I guess you call it, experience was just realizing that he, he could never really see his own head without a mirror. He could see everything else about his body, but he couldn't see his own head. And that somehow helped him see that he was non-existent from the point of view of uh, an ego. But Laurie, it's Laurie Rowe, right? Good to, good to hear from you, Laurie. So yes, I would say it's very similar, a very similar idea of not, of not, the idea is just not being attached to, to anything, to knowledge, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, freedom from all of that. This is possible. It's possible for you, not, you don't have to be a saint, not to be anybody special. As Charlotte Joko Beck, the title of her book, which of course, as you know, I like book titles. Don't bother reading a book, just read the title. 
but just read it four or five hundred times. And what was it she said? Nothing special. Awakening is nothing special. Go ahead, Isaac. Um, if we know nothing, can our true nature be anything, Bobby? Yeah, our true nature isn't uh, isn't particularly a uh, some aspect of phenomena or some aspect of consciousness or some part of something. It would be, but it also wouldn't be go the other way into nihilism of the non-existence of something. So it doesn't it doesn't take any kind of position there into in terms of existence or non-existence. If I'm following what you're looking for with your question, yeah, I was just wondering if. You often say there's nothing to fix. Yeah. Um, I mean, yep. I'm confused. I'm good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I like that. Can I use that? I'm confused. I'm good. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm confused. I'm good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that even made Kevin Townley's uh, photograph smile. <laughs> oh, there he is. Junchu. A question from Spool String. Spool String from the UK? I think so. I can't remember. UK? Yeah. Taoshan would remember because <laughs> yeah. he's from that neck of the woods. Yeah, I can tell by the accent. Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He says, hi, been away from meditating a while. Should I notice a difference? I seem less aware, less unaware, maybe after a break. I, I think it's so diverse that what can happen for someone who's been, there's just so many things. Uh, people can stop meditating and feel like they've never stopped meditating. Other people stop meditating and their whole life comes apart. Other people stop meditating and feel a lot better, and they don't meditate for maybe for a long time. I, I have I have some students occasionally. I have students I just tell them to stop meditating because they complain about it so much. They said, well, don't do it then. <laughs> well, I thought you wanted me to meditate. I said, no, you should do whatever you have to do, do that. I don't have any right to come in and say, you should meditate no, no matter what. Yeah, that's that's uh, shouldn't, shouldn't do anything as you have to do it. I mean that. Live, be the karma that's showing up in your mind. If that means you don't, you're not going to meditate. You're just going to go and um, study philosophy or something at the university. Then maybe that's what you need to do. I don't know. This is difficult to to do based on somebody else's recommendation. Jason, by um. Is next is something and nothing another duality in the similar manner of right and wrong? Sure, similar. It's, anytime you have anything that shows up, you can find its opposite somewhere, or some kind of opposition to it. Any manifestation will have some kind of uh, other aspect of it to it like existence, non-existence, life and death, in-breath, out-breath, even, do, yeah. Do but, existence, non-existence, something, nothing, do they have another level of significance to them? 
Probably, probably only to someone like you, Jason. So, you know, if you if you go into that idea of another significance, another, and you start, you know, take you can do this. Some people are just just amazingly gifted at deconstructing, deconstructing, and taking things apart and looking, you know, particle physicists are always, you know, they actually stop the, the inquiry by calling it particle physics. Mm -hmm. That means they're going to look for particles and they find them. So all that works if you want to go that direction, but if you want to, if you want to realize what this is, then you have to look at what it isn't. Oh no. Window bowing. Um, my question is, how do we work with a teaching like this? Um, is it uh, uh, an attitude or a um, mindset we can bring to the cushion? You, you can bring everything to the cushion. You just return, 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 return to uh, Suzuki Roshi. Talk about beginner's mind, just Zen mind, beginner's mind. Just heart mind, heart mind. Just just begin. Just start over. Start over. Start over. Well, that would be a good one. And the other one is don't don't have any attitude. Just continue to do that. Just have the form. You observe the form. You're in a monastery. You're a, you're a monk, so you know exactly what you need to do next. Day after day after day after day. That's why we've set this up. Is so people can practice. It's extremely hard to do on your own. You can do it in your apartment, in your house, but it's 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 very difficult to do completely on your own. This is why we have the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And in this situation, I would say probably quite a few people here are actually supported, even though they live somewhere else, by this. That uh, they know that every morning they can tune in and find monks or lay ordained people, or just or practitioners that are just want to practice in this monastery, practicing day after day after day. I think it's pretty helpful to do that. More? It seems like um, there are so many teachings. There are. And some resonate, resonate more than others. So it's... Um, Which ones resonate? Give me one. Well, the one that this is resonates with me. What, um, we know nothing until we know everything. Yeah. Um, that really challenges me. Yeah. Um, that's from a that's from out of the somebody else's uh, from another tradition altogether but you can find that in a, just like Meister Eckhart if you go and read Meister Eckhart's words it's like he could be a Buddhist he, he could, because of the way he talked about the ultimate nature of himself and the mind and, and God go ahead so that was my, where my question was coming from is there something we can you know um, challenge ourselves on the cushion to be more um, don't worry about more open don't worry about more open just sit down and look at how closed you are that's where that's coming from you're, the downside is what you're dealing with you're, you're, how can I be more open I can see where I'm closing now right I can see where I'm closing now that is realization and that's the path is the Buddha didn't awaken to being more open he didn't become more open. If he had been, we wouldn't even know about him. He would be somewhere lost in history of somebody who came, became more open and died. But instead, he was someone who saw the nature of confusion and he spoke it out. You can imagine what that was like to say that 2,500 years ago. Life is suffering. 
But right away, you can hear the pundits all saying, no, it's not completely suffering. How about all this great food and dancing and all the different things is not suffering. It's all suffering. And he spoke, he spoke the truth. And there was a, enough people there who saw what that was that they, they sent their 13-year-olds to study under him. They didn't study under him, but they, <laughs> they sent their kids. Well, you need to go study under the Buddha. This Buddha's got it down. I mean, I don't know what the, what the Pali is for saying. He's got it down. Maybe Chisho knows. <laughs> Poor Chisho, I keep getting ready to get help from him. <laughs> Further? Well, same point, but, but you know, um, words like this kind of um, like put in stark relief or give you the image, right, for me anyways, of the prison that I'm in. Yes. But that's, that's what you need to see. You need to see the walls of the mind and see that they're unreal, that they're invented. Those are invented. You don't have to do that. You don't have to continue to protect yourself from anything. This is what she's saying here. We don't know, we don't know anything until, until we know everything. And when knowing everything doesn't mean that she, you know, knows uh, what's happening three blocks away. It doesn't mean relative knowledge. It means a fundamental understanding of everything. This is a, it's another way of talking about uh, Anutra Samyak Sambodhi, complete, unexcelled. There isn't anywhere to go with this. There is no going. Nothing has occurred. Nothing actually occurs because it's, it's a relative aspect that is very easy for anyone on the spiritual path to get confused, thinking that there's some kind of improvement, some kind of pilgrim's progress happening. Not that there isn't. That's fine. That may be what you need to do. That Some people need to be practiced uh, with uh, the Mormons or Jehovah's Witness or be atheists or join the, the John Birch Society. <laughs> Needs some kind of a structure. So what are we doing here? You're, you're, you're fully ordained as a monk. You receive vows. You're observing those vows. You have a teacher. You have a teaching. You have a community or a sangha to support you. And you return to that practice day after day after day after day. Train your mind to see clearly. What are you looking at? Looking at the walls of the mind. You're looking at the confusion. But there's no, the way you get more clear about those walls or about those bars or about that presence to look at them without fiddling with them or trying to come up with a device that will, there's no skeleton key that's going to open that door. What we eventually see is there was, there was a door. You know everything. But there's no there's no one who knows anything. Therefore, knowledge is just everywhere, complete. It's called wisdom. Wisdom doesn't see anything but wisdom, and there's no one who's witnessing wisdom. <clears throat> Don't you? Another question from Spool String. That'd be a good one. Kodo Sawaki said. Zazen is good for nothing. So what's good for something? I don't know. I would just go with what he said. I can't top that. Here's a follow-up question. Good. <laughs> it's going to keep me going somehow. Thanks for rescuing me. <laughs> yes. Is, is nothing different from something? Yes and no. It is. Further questions? 
Give me some hard ones. Those are too easy. Full spool string. Go ahead, Kian. Kian by. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, what is knowing everything that's empty of what we think it is? What is what now? Knowing everything that is empty of what we think it is. What is that? Yes. If you know that, then you don't know anything. You don't know anything separate. The whole uh, idea of phenomena as separation has has uh, hasn't dissolved. It's just been seen through. You just see that there isn't anything else but this, and it shows up as this human, that human, this this thought pattern, that thought pattern. The multiplicity is outrageously wide and diverse, but you're not confused by anything anymore. And because you don't need this, or and you don't fear this, open fear have just don't operate anymore. If there's no solid being there who has a preference, consciousness is, works just fine without an identity. Not only does it work fine uh, because it's not separate from any from anything, and it works to the benefit of all. Even though, if in the right political situation. People can see that and decide that you, you're dangerous to what's happening with that materialism and they need to kill you. As happened a couple thousand years ago, as we know that story. Money changers killing someone. Question from Eric Blagsbett. Eric. I'm curious, what is in your cup? Do you know what is in your cup? I have a cup. Eric is really sneaky sometimes. Yes, if this is my cup here with a rabbit on it, painted by Albrecht Durer, and then put on here by some commercial process I don't know about. <laughs> and, then, uh, and this is given to me by Kevin Townley uh, on behalf of, not sure what the behalf was, but, and then, and then there's uh, coffee in here, and there's uh, um, that, um, uh, cow's milk. I think you wanted something else. Mm -hmm. Eric, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's trying to get all zenny on me. Aren't you, Eric? No response. Other questions? Excuse me. Looking at just looking at the ownership or looking at the closeness, I immediately go to trying to open and it just seems like I'm immediately fighting with what you're encouraging me to look at. And I'm wondering how, how I can look at something when I immediately fight it. Yeah, you have to look at the fight. You've been fighting me since you met me, right? No. Just look at the fight. That's why you're here. So you can, so that tension, that fight can be right in your face. That's why you're here. It's what brought you here. That's the inspiration. That's your, you could say, if you want to get fancy about it, that's your Buddha nature that continues to bring you in front of, of the teacher, the teaching, and the community. There's a resistance to it, but there's also a stubbornness that you have that you're going to do this. So it looks over here. And I say, just continue. Do as you're told. <laughs> How's that sound? 
So what am I saying? I'm, of course, I'm not going to order anybody around. I need to get your permission to help you. So you have to say, yes, I want you to function as my Dharma teacher. And if you tell me that, and and I can see that you're not just bullshitting me, then I will begin to help you. But a lot of people want like to have a teacher, want to have a teacher, but they, they don't really mean it. They want to have they want the teacher to function a certain way. Don't step on my toes. Don't don't do anything that that uh, uh, would look bad to people or give you bad press. Other questions? Okay. Okay, we'll dedicate the merit and we will proceed to whatever comes next. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.